Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative ministry approaches. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst at Sat7 USA. In the United States, there are more immigrants than any other country in the world. Today, more than 40 million people living in the United States were born in another country. There are between 350 and 430 languages spoken in the United States, making it one of the most linguistically diverse countries in the world. And I'll let you guess which three languages are the most spoken. My guest is John Yoder, who has worshipped with 57 different immigrant churches in the Minneapolis metro area. He has had lunch with their pastors and listened to their stories. We're going to talk to John about how well the American church is partnering with the immigrant church. So, John, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dennis. I'm so glad to be here. You know, visiting 57 immigrant churches, uh, that's taken a few years probably, and that's quite an undertaking in one mega city. So I'm interested in this. What are you learning from these 57 visits to immigrant churches? Well, it's been a real joy for me because I lived in Asia for 13 years, and now in coming back to Minnesota, I realize that I'm a stranger to African and Latino culture. And so to worship in churches of many different cultures, denominations, sizes, has really given me a more global understanding of the church. And just like I train wonderful uh, Christian leaders across Asia, I'm finding that God has brought thousands of very gifted, very experienced pastors to the United States from around the world, and they're planting churches and winning souls faster than we are. Now, I've seen some toxic ones, some ones that uh, were into prosperity theology or just very isolationist, but more than half of them are wonderfully gifted, spirit-anointed uh, leaders that want to work hand-in-hand with others. So with your international experience and now coming back to Minneapolis in the American church, what are some trends that you've noticed in the American church today? So we lived overseas from 2004 to 2017, and of course, we came back now and then, but when we moved back in 17, we realized the American church has shrunk. We're graying, we're we're dropping in numbers and dollars. And, you know, we're, we're all seeing kids and grandkids that are not responsive to the faith. We're all seeing people who are not returning from COVID. And, and while there are absolutely wonderful exceptions, most American churches are in decline. The difference in immigrant churches, yes, they are winning first-generation immigrants to faith faster than we are, reproducing churches faster than we are. Their struggle is the second gen because mom and dad need to worship in Swahili or French or, or Spanish or whatever, but their kids need to hear about Jesus in English. And this is a way that uh, churches can work together. So you've started a ministry called Immigrant Ministry Connections. And you're placing resources, making them available to the American church. Does the American church partner well with these immigrant churches, or are the immigrant churches and the American church, uh, are they not working together at all? I, I see them as trains running on two different tracks, and it doesn't have to be. We have the same Bible, we have the same God, the same Holy Spirit, the same eternal life, the same heaven, but most of us prefer to work with people who are like us. And so most American churches 
will some are hostile to to immigrants but others smile and nod and realize there are brothers and sisters across the street somewhere but the ones who do work together and make it a partnership i have seen fresh energy come to the churches on both sides what are the challenges if the two are on different tracks as you put it it's a great image that you use there uh, what are the challenges for the two working together well the the obvious one is language you know if you're dealing with somebody who simply does not speak english you've got to work through a translator but beyond that it's simply habit most american churches simply know this is preaching the way we like it music the way we like it let's just keep doing that and honestly, most first-generation immigrants need to keep doing things the way that they have done it before. But what happens is when churches realize, okay, we need two separate worship services because we're doing very different things. But what if we shared children's ministry? What if we share youth ministry? What if we did outreach together or community service? Then those two congregations find a way to work together that reaches the community and makes both stronger. That's a great idea to work together, partner on levels where you really could complement each other's giftedness and interaction. You put together this website where you're putting a lot of resources. How did that come about? Just very gradually, meeting people, listening to immigrant pastors, listening to American pastors, asking the question, what do you need? Where are you stuck? Let us to do this. So we have weekly blogs. I write half of them, and they're about the relationships between American and immigrant pastors. And then we have people all around the world who contribute blogs on teaching English, refugee resettlement, witnessing to Muslims, etc. We also have directories of more than 600 ministry organizations in every state in the country, every province in Canada who are serving near you. And we just last month launched our very first online course called Jumpstarting Church Momentum, and it has 75 minutes of video training and then three Zoom conversations based on that, helping American church leaders take their baby steps, their first steps towards partnering with an immigrant congregation. So regardless of the state that somebody's in, like our listeners here on this podcast, whatever state they're, they're in... They can go to your website and search the resources by state, but they also can go and look up some of the bigger cities where yes. you've put some resources as well. Right. So you could um, you could go to the directory and you could look up by Texas, Louisiana, British Columbia, Ontario, or underneath them, you can find Dallas, Fort Worth, or Philadelphia, or Los Angeles, or whatever, and find local practitioners in each one of those areas. You know, I was traveling in uh, the Dakotas, and I met a couple from Ivory Coast, which, you know, I grew up there as a, as a missionary kid. And uh, this couple was from Ivory Coast, sent by the Ivory Coast Church to plant a church in America, but they support them in prayer and resources, but they are bivocational, and they have jobs, and then plant a church on the side. So they come with a different approach where we raise support to be fully funded going overseas. They come and see it, get a job and are bivocational in their church plan. They had a thriving church going of about 40, 40, 50 people. Mm -hmm. So it was really encouraging to see. When somebody goes to your ministry website with all these resources, there's different tabs that they can click on. Where would you suggest they start their journey as they start looking through your website for resources for their specific work with immigrant churches or immigrant church wanting to work with an American church? 
Yeah, that's a great question. We've done our best to keep our homepage really simple, and it has four links depending on what you're looking for. The first is to our online courses. We have our beginner uh, course already there and a more advanced class coming in the future. The second is consulting. I do individual consulting for churches. The third are just those directories of hundreds of ministry organizations across the U.S. and Canada. And the fourth are to our weekly blogs. So please feel free to check all of them out and use them as they're relevant to you. And I got on their website, and then I signed up for their blog uh, post that's coming regularly. If you have a question, John will be sure to reach out to you. You know, I mentioned that uh, African couple from Ivory Coast coming to the Dakotas. Bivocational, they drive an ice cream truck in the Dakotas to make money, and then they're planting an immigrant church on the side. Do you see that as a bivocational model? Do you see uh, immigrant churches using that model a lot? There are more than 700 immigrant churches in the Twin Cities area, and the average size is 30. Almost all immigrant pastors have jobs, and some of them are very professional, and some who are less literate are, you know, in very remedial jobs. But most of them work 40 plus hours and then raise their families and pastor on the weekend. Many Americans think of that as a small and struggling church. Truth is, it's a small and thriving church, which is the norm across the world. I love working with pastors like that, but we need to understand they don't have the time and energy for ministry that people with a salary do. You know, that raises another question. Uh, You talk about small and vibrant churches. Is there a need for creating fresh energy in the American church? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we just see the decline of numbers and influence. And with that, I think... I think for many, there's a sense of cynicism or maybe fatality that there's nothing we can do about it. But there are parts of the American church, most specifically first-gen immigrants that are really growing and thriving. If we walk alongside them and partner with them, it makes both better. But another really exciting thing is the second-gen immigrants because they all speak English. And to work with them, because they're bilingual and bicultural, can also mean, uh, you know, real fresh energy for the American church. Does the immigrant church, like you were talking about them working with the next-gen generation, are they following a pattern of the American church where there's youth activities, there's uh, youth groups, or are they being creative in how they engage that uh, next generation? Most churches globally do not have youth ministry. There's there's no such thing as youth ministry. And if you're a teenager, you get to babysit the kids and the kids ministry is what it comes down to. And then also these churches are so small, they only have two or three teenagers. So the idea of even having Sunday school or youth ministry ever is foreign to them. And one of the things that Americans can do to really help is say, we have a children's ministry, a youth ministry, and we would be very glad to include not only your students, but your workers alongside us. So if you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to share it with your church and uh, look for an immigrant church in your zip code and look for ways that you can uh, creatively uh, come alongside and help what that church is doing. Again, John, this is very interesting. Uh, You've given us some great ideas. Give your website again so people can uh, look for some of those resources. Yeah, it's just www.immigrantministry.com. 
pretty easy. And then there's social media once you get there. So, John, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. All right. Thank you, Dennis, for having me. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.